Welcome to the If You Build It, Will They Learn podcast, a show dedicated to modern learning and development with your hosts, Daniel Mendoza and Scott Babcock. It's podcast day. Welcome to the show. This is If You Build It, Will They Learn? I'm Scott Babcock and I'm here with your co-host, Daniel Mendoza. Daniel, we are, we're back. It's episode two. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Season two uh, feedback on uh, episode one was pretty good. So excited to be here. Um, back on the saddle, you know, it, it wouldn't be a podcast day if we didn't banter for 40 minutes before recording, uh, like we did today. Yeah. Yeah. That happens. Uh, I, I'm going to dub this the deuce deuce. Is that a, uh, it's, it's season two, episode two deuce deuce. deuce. No, I, I, right, that makes me feel really old. I'm in. I'm trying to I'm trying to be cool and, and and young and it's not working. That's all right. Uh, my kids will tell you that it, it never quite pans out when I try that effort. So uh, all right. So today though, we want to talk a little bit about um, KPIs and measurement and, and how to set your goals for your organization for your learning to best maximize the experience for your learners with the content that you're trying to roll out to get them prepared to do their role to be successful in their organization or to develop themselves professionally. Uh, as you move forward in your training career. All right, now it is February, we're in the middle of the month, uh, but many of you are probably hopefully still sticking to your New Year's resolutions with, uh, I, know, I know Daniel has a, a catchphrase for this year. Uh, Danny, you want to let the, the audience know what your what your mantra is for the year? Are we going off a new year, new you here, Scott? New year, new you? That's you, buddy. Uh, so Daniel has, uh, has, has has coined the phrase. I don't know if he actually coined it, but he's utilizing it one way or the other. And I think you can apply that to your training uh, as well. Uh, when we think about what's ahead, uh, we talked a little bit in the, tra- in the trends episode that a lot of companies are starting to retool their training programs and, and think differently as a result of the pandemic, uh, a modified workforce and work arrangement and work environment. Uh, so I think when you think about what we're talking about today, uh, that's a little bit, think differently about how you want to move forward with either a new content design, uh, new training catalog, um, or uh, maybe you're actually just uh, thinking differently about an existing program and the way you might start to measure that and think differently about getting your results. So you're really evaluating correctly. Correctly. Um, so where could you go with training that you didn't go before? That's part of uh, emerging trends as well. Um, and what what can you do? So, Daniel, when you think about, like, how do you reevaluate your programs, your training, and your content, what are some things that maybe you have started to ask yourself on setting those goals? Yeah, so I think, I think first off, um, and just to kind of go back to what you mentioned, Scott, I think last year, 2020, was a year of reaction. It was a year of... of you know, bobbing and weaving, being a little bit of a firefighter, um, taking the, you know, rolling with punches as they came in. Um, and you, we kind of know the level footing you're on now. You kind of know what your, um, the ground seems to have sturdied and you, and you know where you stand. Um, so looking out to try to be proactive, um, the first thing that you can do to, to really plan is understand what your business's core objectives are for 2021 and beyond. So it's a, it's a great way to start always getting, you know, getting 30, the 30,000 foot view going as high up as you can and understanding what needs to cascade down throughout your organization from a planning perspective. And typically, um, January is the time when all those things start to settle, but I feel like February is really the, the time you hit the ground running on, on what the business wants to be, uh, in 2021. And then from there, you can start to ask the question is, 
what key performance indicators or what large KPIs can I put in place for training, learning, development um, throughout our organization that will allow those greater KPIs um, or business goals of the company or the organization I'm with to be achievable? One of the things I think when we talk about new year, new you uh, as an approach as well is so you're, you're thinking differently, you're starting to plan. Um, but I think we have always traditionally started to kind of set these KPIs as very standardized. Uh, how many completions can I get? How many people progress through A through L or A through M in our catalog or move steps one through nine in the, in the curriculum, whatever that might be from that perspective. And I think uh, we, we've always done that, but there are so many other ways to gauge success that I think thinking a little creatively um, around what are other data points that you might have at your disposal that you could tie back to training. And, and one of the key advantages to that is when you start to grab some of those other metrics, you're going to be able to start to speak to other parts of your business uh, and those audiences that would want to hear your message. So um, when we talk com completions, progress, things like that, you might just be speaking to the business component. But if you start to measure retention, now you're going to be able to tie in the HR department. If you can get to a place where you can talk about dollars and cents, uh, now the sales component has that much more rigor and, and component to it. Uh, if you can talk about spend, uh, you might be able to talk more to your finance department. You're going to get more people bought into your programs and then thus you may create more allies, uh, I think, in your story and more advocates for your training as something that's helping your business out holistically. So when you talk about that, Scott, I guess, how do, how do you trickle in innovation um, and, and being creative kind of into that, I guess, that, that planning or that new year, new you focus? I think one of the things is just to really evaluate what data you're collecting. So I think we go through this uh, with Haylight even is we collect these massive amounts of data on everything we do. And realistically, we probably only scratch the surface in terms of actually extracting any of that and trying to utilize it. So that's the first place I'd start and think in ways of thinking innovatively is what data is out there that's tied to your programs that you're collecting. And it's just sort of sitting on a shelf, getting dusty, if you will. Um, and how do you start to employ that to tell a story? Um, so I'm, I'm a big data guy. I love what numbers can tell us, uh, but you do have to pull it out and then you have to sort of make the story yourself. So look for those data moments. Think about the audience you want to speak to. It's not unlike making content in that sense where you need to know, oh, I want to I want to tell a story to finance to hopefully get more budget, or I want to tell a story to HR to be able to, to sell this as a recruiting platform or a recruiting program or, uh, you know, employee health and engagement. Um, you're going to find data metrics that speak to them more than others and, and really thinking about it creatively there. I think the way then you mash that together is what becomes innovative. If you're not getting the data, right? So if you've gone through your data set and you're like, man, I really wish I had X, Y, or Z, uh, then it's going out and I think innovative, innovatively talking to whether it's your data services team or your analytics teams, how do you get that data so that you can start tracking it and at least create a plan that moves forward from that? Yeah, I think, I think the, the concept, and, and I, I know this about five years ago or so, the, the concept of big data became like very relevant in, in the marketing world and the sales world. Um, about making major marketing decisions based upon data because the transition from TV to digital, and I'm using that example because I think the the transition that we went through in the last year of a ton of in-person training to digital um, sets you up to use that data 
um, to be innovative, like it did in marketing. It allowed people to understand exactly who they're targeting, where they're targeting it, not getting this, this blanket brush about TV ratings. Uh, they started to see what, what job people had, where they were working, what they were searching on Google, um, and how to retarget to them. And I think it's the exact same thing when you talk about digital training. You start to understand who's interacting with what trainings, how they're interacting with them, if they're going back and taking them again, um, how long it takes them to take it, are they just clicking through, all those sorts of items um, and data points that you're collecting. And I'm just, like I said, scratching the surface on what's what's there. I think you could take that approach and and put it forward and, and see if things like adaptive learning or AR, VR or um, AI makes sense for your organization or if it's too early or too late and dependent on how to push forward. Yeah, I think those emerging technologies will also dictate a lot of how innovative you can be, right? So, um, you know, if you think back to just your typical SCORM file or something like that, there's only so many limited data points that that captures. But if you start to play in the world of AR or VR or XAPI, you, you, you exponentially grow how much data you actually can collect from that uh, on every interaction that happens within your course. So if you're ready for that, and, and not every organization is going to be ready to take that leap, but if that is something you can take on or you have the expertise or the manpower to do so, you're going to find you have access to so many more data points that you really can sort of break down the boundaries of what's typically been available to you. All right. So when we think about our KPIs, we've talked about like starting to get an idea of where you want to head, setting your direction, starting to think about what innovative ways you can start to collaborate with data or start to implement data that you haven't had before. Um, and you're, you're starting to think that way. How do I think ahead to what I want to start to put down as my road markers or guideposts to help me along in training? But in order to really start to set these as part of your organization, there's a lot of steps that you can take to start to farm these out, to start to have conversations with people and get their buy-in and input. Um, but ultimately, these things also then need to kind of be taken back and reevaluate those uh, KPIs and measurement goals so that you're really flexing to what the organization needs from you. So I, we have kind of four areas where we can think about how do we start to frame up those KPIs and goals and, and data points to tell the story you want to go for. So the first one is um, you need to start talking to people. That's really the next step in, in implementing these is... Um, figure out, is it you need more data? So you got to go talk to your data services team. Is it you need to spend time with finance, figuring out what kind of budget you have for a data services team? Is it uh, from an HR perspective, what goals are they shooting for? Uh, is it from a sales perspective? Are there targets and things that you could be trying to drive towards? I think really that's your first step. Just start talking to a lot of the people within your organization to better understand where the org is headed and what the business needs. Um, and that will start to help frame exactly, you've said, I want this KPI and this KPI, but what is the measurement goal? How do you start to define that? That would be the first place I would start as you're starting out on this journey to help uh, really define your goals. Yeah, I think, I think understanding the people you need to uh, talk to um, in the development process is, is really important because it also is going to guide and shape all the people you affect. As we've talked about this before, training reaches, uh, training and L&D reaches every corner of the organization in different ways, but really every corner of the organization. So when you're starting to develop the KPIs, you need to understand who you're going to affect uh, throughout the year and make sure that you take them along for the ride. Because if you come back halfway through the year and, and present them a bunch of info, they're going to be like, what am I doing with this? So take their opinions into consideration, ask them what they need. And 
and how you can be effective for them and then and then go from there. I think uh, the the second place then is, and you, you you mentioned bringing people along in the journey. We tend to design learning content for the learner. Uh, I would hope at least, and not just for a business need or uh, with that only being the goal is to say I cranked out a, a piece of content and voila, my day is done. But you're really thinking about who's going to absorb it because they are the end user. They're they're going with it. I think you need to think about what what a learner needs to accomplish. So what is their desire? What has changed in the marketplace from a training perspective? This last year has led us to a, a very different place from what a learner's expectation probably was 12 or 13 months ago now, um, where they expect something slightly different, more self-paced or more digital, more remote, whatever that might be. And I think that is the next step I would recommend uh, that folks take in their in their journey setting of their goals is really contemplate what your learners want. Now, that might be getting a feedback loop or a feedback mechanism to hear more, trying to do uh, some business analysis from customers, things like that, uh, to better understand how your your learner is going to take that out into the market and, and utilize your training. Um, but I think that needs to be a pillar of what you, you evaluate when setting your goals. Yeah, one of the pillars of... I guess a learning culture, which is something we've we've discussed in the past, and something that's very important uh, within an organization when it comes to training, um, in all areas, is empowerment. Um, building a culture in, in in any way, whether it's learning, a sports culture, or just a overall organizational culture, a team culture, um, empowerment is a major factor, or at least that's my personal opinion. Um, so if you empower your uh, learners or those that are involved to have a say, to voice their opinion, um, to get involved and, and help drive um, the car down the path. Um, it, it allows them to feel more value when it, when it comes time to train and learn and attend that session or, or visit that webinar or um, take that e-learning. So empowerment and in, in, what the learner wants and allowing them to express that to you and help guide um, the overall content um, is a big part of just the success of your KPIs and then being able to measure them when it's done. Because if, if your learners aren't along for the ride, um, measuring those KPIs at the end of the day is going to be a difficult thing to do. Scott, when it comes to, um, I guess, when you look at the learners, when you, when you relate that to so we've talked about the grassroots, the teammates, the the people we're evaluating against. I guess how does that relate to um, what a, what a leader could be looking for, or what that that necessary direction is um, from leadership? Do you do you want to go there before you talk to the learners, or is that something you can relate to after and and, and chat with them about you know what your KPIs are? Well, I think there's probably uh, we can revert maybe back to um, the first point, which was, you know, as you're talking to people, let's not forget to talk to your leaders. Right. I mean, so not only are you going to go talk to the departments, but get that buy in from your leadership um, and understand what their goals are. Do they have specific measurement components that they're hoping to see or that they expect to see? And then consulting with them, hopefully, as an L&D team to really bring expertise to the way the learning environment might bring that to life. So if it's your L&D leaders, they probably are already speaking that same language and, and already planning for that. Um, but if it's leaders uh, that are above that or multi-unit type of functionality or store leaders, whatever that might kind of break out, you might want to have more conversations to understand what are they driving towards um, that maybe go beyond uh, what the learner it themselves want. Um, I think that's part of it. Then I think there's also follow-up. So the second half of that is, when you're setting these goals, I think that is part of it. What is a leader's direction 
to go out and execute this? And how do you prepare them to do that action? I think that is part of it. I think how does a leader um, observe or monitor or evaluate success uh, in those same ways and giving them the tools and resources to do it. So I think first and foremost, as you're having those conversations with people, don't forget to talk to your leadership and get their directional component as part of your, your, your guide. Um, but don't also forget to then leave them behind so they don't have a way to execute on that strategy when you employ it from a learning and development standpoint. The last note I think that I uh, would throw out there is we talk a lot about things like adaptive learning, machine learning, AI even, and understanding where your learners are holistically in their journey of the path that you may have already built for them uh, is really important. If you have, let's say, a five-step program uh, that really is designed towards proficiency and, and success, and all of your learners are three steps or greater into that, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to set your goals on everybody complete phase one because they've already done that. that that's sort of a wasted goal. Granted, it's going to look really good on your performance scorecard when uh, you've already 100% completion. You can brag about that on day one, uh, I guess, but it's really not moving the needle for your organization. So having an understanding of what the progression, the completions look like, and being really fair and honest with where that should take you uh, is, is important. And I think you can sort of adapt your learning goals and KPIs to match where your learners are so that you're not a nerfing uh, is the term I tend to use uh, when we when we think about quiz questions and things is if you give them too many easy answers that they're just going to pass regardless. Same with your goals. If your goals are already attained, you're really not trying to, to move forward. You're not raising the bar. So make sure you're not nerfing those goals. Make sure they're realistic in a, when we think about what your goals should be and think about where your learners are in that journey so that you're not... Uh, you're not letting them have success by just staying in status quo. Really try to move them forward. Yeah, and and just to add on to that, Scott, I think um, we mentioned it briefly at the start. Like when we're setting KPIs and objectives, one of the questions you have to ask, and, and I think we're going to roll into this as we progress, is how it's going to be measured. So um, you should always there should always be a a report or or data associated to your KPI, and you, you so you understand what you're going to be measuring against and what success looks like inside of that KP, KPI that you set, that key performance indicator, um, because it allows you then to ask the question of why. Um, when, you, when you say, here's my KPI, here's how we're going to measure it, you could say, well, why are we doing that? And does it actually relate back to the, the greater thing? Um, and it even when you go back to some of our other points about the learner, you can, you can allow them to ask you why. Why is the organization measuring that? Why is that important? Um, how does that make my life better as a teammate, as as someone who's in store, or someone who's on the shop floor, or someone who's at corporate office? Um, so their their completion and progress throughout. Um, but why are they? You know, why are we hoping that they complete and progress through whatever that training strategy or training plan is for this year? Um, is kind of will wrap everything in from the objectives and the measurements perspective. And allow you to really understand your why going forward, so you can easily explain, explain it to everybody. Because checking a bunch of boxes, as Scott indicated, with you know 100% completion of something that was already done, um, maybe looks good on paper, but it gets found out eventually. The last segment we want to talk about here today is a little bit of wrapping this all together. So we've talked about thinking differently, make sure you're setting a plan, you're, you're trying to organize your thoughts, if you will. 
you're then going to go out and start to build out those KPIs and objectives, right? So what is the ultimate behavior we're trying to drive uh, ultimately in the end? And you're getting some feedback, you're getting buy-in from your leadership, you're getting around the, the data and understanding where you are in your progress and, and uh, journey uh, as, as you're building out these reports uh, and these analytical plans. But what can you actually measure? So what are some ideas or what are ways to think about measurement? Now, the, Daniel and I won't pretend to give you uh, skew movement or some very detail-oriented thing that might be uh, completely misaligned to your business. We, uh, I don't want to get that far into the weeds. I think we can go a little more high level on what are the things that high level you would uh, sort of attribute to what you want to measure. And then when you need to take that forward and think about the, the specific measurement component or the data set that you're going to be looking at to try to define those. But um, the first stage, I guess, of sort of measuring and evaluating your success is going to be, from a learning perspective, uh, tracking knowledge. So did people gain some new insight, some new level of information that they can then, um, if nothing else, regurgitate? And we often think of these in terms of quizzes. Uh, or tests, or exams, or poll questions, or whatever you might be rolling out, depending on sort of the accountability that goes with it. But are people taking a piece of content, and can they remember the key bullet points from that, and 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 talk about them at least to say, I remember enough to fill out the the test paper. I think that's the first thing they they gain some kind of knowledge uh, component along with their stuff. With that, then comes the second sort of iteration of that, which is. Can they apply any of that knowledge? And I think that is the second, uh, as we look at sort of, and I, I consider those from a work perspective tied together. So I don't really consider them like one and two. They're, they go together. Are you smarter, at least on some level? And then can you more importantly apply that to your job? Uh, that would be the first steps I would think about. How do we measure that? Yeah, I think um, that relates back to, we talked about the the KPIs and objectives and and go... Those are those are all fantastic ways to to understand. I think the the question that I have is, um, what are you going to do with that data, and what are you going to do with the the numbers and the and the the results of those quizzes and the the ideas that yes, you know, at the end of this trade, they were at least able to show that a behavior had changed or or identify the behavior change that they need to implement. Um, I guess, what are you going to do with that data? And then how do you, you take a step into the retention section? So you know, how do you follow up on it? And um, what does that look like for, for the business? Yeah, I think uh, that, that next step is that retention. So in the moment, they learn something and they can start to execute on it. Um, but really, the next is application of time. So you know, is that they remember it for a day and then they and they do it in their shift, but the next shift, they completely revert back. Well, that's not that's not a sign that it all went as well as you would hope. So do you start to evaluate on a 30, 60, 90? Is it, this is where I think your leadership comes back in, right? So a leader needs to be there to reinforce and restate and to evaluate and monitor uh, success. And so I think when we talk about retention, um, 
you know, so often I think in the business world, we, we think about it, uh, we can, we can tie them together, but we think about it in return of retaining an employee. Um, in the same sense, those employees need to be retaining the information over a long period of time. They can't drift back to what's easier known. We need to keep reinforcing that. Um, one of the really great parts about doing measurement, right, is that you actually hopefully also come up with your own executable plan going forward based on your evaluation. So if you learn that, you know, our training tends to stick for two weeks, how do you then create some sort of a reinforcement model that comes back and reiterates your statement, whether it's through a simple job aid that you're going to roll out, an email communication, a secondary course uh, that builds on concepts. There's a lot of ways to do that. But I think once you have the data, you can start to build that plan as well uh, on how you choose to execute and your own behaviors going into the training space. I think a big part about the measurement of it is that it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Um, I think that developing a learning culture based off KPIs, driving towards business spec- business metrics is, you know, if we had an, a L&D or an e-learning superpower, I think, I think uh, being telepathic would be great and knowing exactly how um, we're able to hit on that and, and hit on our objectives and knowing that it would be successful. But the reality of it is, is you're going to run some training programs. You're going to implement some sessions that aren't going to drive the behaviors uh, that you were hoping for or expecting. And identifying those measurements um, and those failures is a way to continue to grow your learning culture and, and drive closer to your objectives in the future. And I think being upfront and open about that. And, and when you, when you don't get the results you're looking for, going back to those audiences that you talk to um, and getting feedback is, is really important. I think the learner is, is the most important of that, but I think understanding that all of your metrics that you're measuring are not always going to come back great. You're, you know, it's the satisfaction rate of your training is not always going to be increasing. And, and sometimes you're just going to miss the mark and, and that's okay. Uh, because, and you have to go back and analyze and, and figure out where the gap was. Yeah. I, when we talk about your, your measurement and your analytics, and we, we talk about nerfing it, that's a dangerous place to be. If you just set yourself up to score a hundred percent and check all the boxes, you're not actually growing. I, 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 I don't get to take credit for this, so uh, I'm sure I'm not attributing it correctly. But, you know, I, we've talked about it in other episodes, but there's no comfort in the growth zone and there's no growth in the comfort zone. And if you've, if you've put yourself in a place where you're not trying to do some new things with having a little uh, uneasiness is fine, but a comfortability with uh, failure or uh, missing the mark slightly uh, and treating that as a growth opportunity, you're, you're just not going to keep moving the ball forward and, and trying to elevate what your training looks like. So I think it's important to say it's okay to set some lofty goals as long as they're, they're realistic and shoot for them. But if you miss, let's, let's figure out why, why we missed. What did we not execute on? What could we have done better? Why didn't it land? Maybe it was uh, a guess on the training would, would move the needle on a certain behavior and it just didn't. Um, And there can be a lot of factors that go into that, but you have to be able to, and able and willing to look at those things as opportunities for continued success moving forward. The last sort of, uh, and I always call this the holy grail because I don't, I don't think many organizations have all the uh, abilities in place to control the, their experiments in a lot of ways, but is can you tie your training back to the business and are you getting a return? Uh, and this really comes down to dollars and cents. And the reality is there's so many variables that go into your ability to move the needle on finances that it's, it's hard to always say it's a, a training related uh, component. Um, so it, it does take some kind of thinking about how you want data to come together in that sense. Um, but you know, I, 
I live in Tennessee as much of the, the country is going through right now. There's, there's cold fronts and snow and um, right now driving on roads in Tennessee. Cause we don't have uh, all the equipment that uh, they do up North in Minnesota or other areas where I've lived um, is, is treacherous. And obviously sales are going to drop because of that it's not because people aren't training well. Um, it's just people can't get to the stores the way they used to. Uh, and so I think you have to be aware of those outside factors that are always going to be a part of, of business analysis. Um, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't be trying to strive to say when we train people, they sell more, or when we train people, they are more efficient and create less waste. Um, when we are training people, well, they stick around longer and they retain longer. We don't have to um, go through the, the generally pretty expensive process of onboarding new people all the time. I think those are all things that you can measure to talk about the success and the relevancy to your business in terms of financials. No, I think I think that is the holy grail. Like every time we we have any we do we deploy at Halite any sort of platform or e-learning program with any of our customers, that's always the question that comes back to us: How are we measuring it? What are the KPIs? Um, are our sales going up? Um, because we we work a lot in, in retail and sales related training. Um, in a lot of ways. And, and the reality of it is aligning those things is really important when you can, but also um, there has to be other tangibles around that overall trading strategy. Um, so when, when Scott, you talk about, is there enough data to, to deliver on the KPIs going right back and taking it all the way back around to the start? Um, those are the questions you want to be asking is if we're setting this objective, do we have the data to find out its success at the end of the road? And if you, and the answer is no, then you have to really, un, you have to really ask yourself, is that an objective we should be setting? Um, because if you set a, a lofty sales goal and you want training to be a key driver behind it, but you can't actually measure how training effectively influenced sales, um, maybe it's, you actually just released a product that was the first of its kind or, a major enhancement or a huge competitive advantage and your branding handled everything. And then, Oh yeah, great. Our sales were up hundred percent this year. We training went fantastic, but actually none of your training helped at all. So I think that, that making sure you have, you have real ways to relate um, the data you can collect and measure back to your KPIs at the start is a, is a good way to kind of round out the whole process uh, that we've kind of talked about and outlined. And I'll give another really good example of where you may be limited by your data and we're all probably experiencing it or have a friend or a family member uh, who, who didn't get in early. Um, but if you're trying to get your hands on a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox X series uh, game console right now, it's obviously very hard, right? Stock is limited. Options are, are, they sell within seconds. Thank you, bots and whatever else that are keeping my nine-year-old from being truly happy in this moment. But um, <laughs> the reality is like, that's, you can train all day long on how to sell game consoles, these new generation game consoles, but your sales can't go up anymore because you sell out of everything within seconds. Like that's not a realistic measurement of performance goals for your teammates. doesn't mean they didn't train well. It doesn't mean your content wasn't good, but when you're thinking about it, like you're capped in your ability to, to sell any more than what you have. Right. And, and there are limits there. So um, just keep, Things like that in mind that even logistics can play a part in your ability to measure success if you've set the wrong KPIs. And for anyone who's listening, that's uh, Oakley in the background who agrees with me very much so. So nap time in this house. Nap time. Actually, she's going. She's going to get her one year shots right now. So. Oh boy. Well, there'll be more more crying, I'm sure, uh, in general. But that 
leads us to our last segment. Uh, with without further ado, um, it wouldn't be an episode of If You Build It, Will They Learn without a positivity point. So we're gonna pass some good vibes over to Oakley uh, and 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 get her on the right path here. Um, I'm gonna go first. Uh, I, it's a little delayed and a little belated, but uh, my wife every year puts on a very large conference for her for her work. Um, it's sort of their leadership conference. That's the straight stage and strategy. Um, it is a lot of stress and there's a lot of, uh, moving parts and organization and it, they basically do it all year long. Um, and it went off without many hitches. I'm, it, there's always little things that you see as the coordinator, but I couldn't be more proud of the work that she and her team did, uh, in terms of bringing all of that together. And it was met with really great, uh, feedback from the attendees who did it all virtually this year for the first time, which was kind of interesting for them. I think, uh, they, they, a lot of them would have loved to have been in person and, and networking and, and that let's face it in Orlando, uh, enjoying warm weather and whatnot, but, uh, they all really adapted to this virtual environment and it was a great experience. Um, and so I'm super proud of all the work that she and her team did and again, pulled it off for another year. Uh, and she's breathing deeply now as she gets to take a few, few days of, of rest, uh, before starting it all again, it seems like right away. I would like to point out that Scott, you need to let me know when you're going to compliment your wife and the positivity point of, of the day, because, you know, now my positivity point really doesn't, you know, hold any weight here. Uh, maybe we should discuss this in the pre-planning more often. Uh, I like to keep it a surprise. Okay, eh, okay. well, I'm going to lighten it up and, and go real um, left field, just a nerf ball positivity point. Uh, saw TikTok yesterday that there is not a week in this entire year, Scott, that there is not a new Marvel piece of content coming out on Disney+. And that makes Ooh, me nice. very happy. So when WandaVision is up, which we've never mentioned on the show, but I'm really enjoying, when WandaVision is up, there's the making of WandaVision, and then a week later you get Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then that goes on, and you get making of, and then you get Loki after that. So I'm pretty excited. A lot of nerdy Marvel content for all our, our uh, Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe nerds out there. Um, I'm really excited about it. I appreciate it. Daniel has continued to prod me into completing my WandaVision journey. Uh, I'm now on episode, I think, four, uh, and it's finally starting to come together a little bit. I, I won't say it wasn't a struggle for the first couple of episodes to understand what in, what in the world we were doing, but um, working towards towards getting that, but knowing there's that much around the corner uh, has, yeah, that, that's a mood lifter for me, so I'm excited about that. All right, that will do it for us today. I'm Scott Babcock, he's Daniel Mendonca, and we will talk to you next week. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of the If You Build It, Will They Learn podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Join the conversation by emailing us at podcast at haylight.com. Find us on social media at Build It, Learn It, and be sure to check us out on the web at www.haylight.com. That's H-A-L-I-G-H-T dot com.